award-winning solicitors Johnson and Boone, offering a wide range of legal services from alcohol licensing, wills, commercial, employment, family, divorce, and landlord and tenant matters. For more information, visit johnsonandboone.co.uk or ring them on 0151 637 2034. You're listening to Johnson & Boone Solicitors Podcast exclusively on the Pod Station. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Johnson & Boone Podcast. My name's Mark, I'm the host. Joining me this week, I suppose I could technically call you my fellow co-host now because you are seemingly going to be in the hot seat for the foreseeable future. It is uh, Rob Boone of Johnson & Boone fame. How are we doing, Rob? Hi, Mark. How's yourself? I'm good. Are you happy to accept the title of co-host? I'll go with co-host. I don't feel that important in the show, but I'll go with co-host. I mean, technically, it is your business, so you can choose whatever role and, and title you want. So you can be the host if you want, and I'm just your lackey. No, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that accolade with you. <laughs> Briefly to explain, if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, Rob, perhaps we should just explain what it is that we do or what we hope to do anyway. Yeah, what we do each week is we spend a little bit of time giving an overview of different areas of law, different topical issues perhaps that might be of assistance and we give a taster as to what the problem might be, what the solution might be and if the opportunity arises, how we might be able to help you. Exactly. There are 39 other episodes to go and uh, peruse at your leisure. So if you do want to do that, if you go to the Johnson & Boone website, johnsonandboone.co.uk, under the useful advice tab, you will find podcasts. You'll find them all there. Actually, if you click into there, you'll also find links to all of the major podcast platforms where you can also find the show. And if all of that fails, we're on YouTube. And also there is the Johnson & Boone mobile app, which is completely free to download on the Apple and Android stores, just type Johnson & Boone into the search field and it should bring it up and you can find there under the podcast tab. In fact, there's loads of other things you can do on the mobile app, isn't there, Rob? Yeah, there is. The podcast is just one of them, so you can access all of the information uh, in relation to our services. You can see any of the articles that we've wrote. Uh, if you're one of our Legal Guard members, then you can access your members area um, you can also book straight into the diary of any of our staff. So if you need an appointment, uh, but you need to speak to someone out of hours or something like that, you can you can jump straight in the diary, see the availability, uh, and book a slot when we call you at the uh, available time. If you're wondering what an Earth Legal Guard is, by the way, um, if you listen to episode 21 of the show, uh, both Rob and I go through that in quite some detail. There is also johnsonandboone.co.uk forward slash legal guard where you can read a bit more, get some more information. Or you probably just heard the uh, the advertisement that we run at the beginning of this uh, <laughs> of this show which probably gave you all that information as well check us out on social media there's loads going on there lots of advice um, pensive posing questions and all sorts of jazz uh, that you can get um, we're on Facebook Twitter Instagram and LinkedIn that's right isn't it Rob 
Um, yeah. and, and if ever you want to go onto YouTube as well, we do have a channel there, and there's a whole host of things that run there too. Right, what are we doing today, Rob? Today we're back onto something topical, uh, and we're talking about the uh, some further issues that arise from the ongoing uh, COVID nineteen pandemic, which we are hopefully just in the process of coming out to the other side of. But it is leaving a lot of interesting legal questions. Uh, uncharted territory in terms of the courts and the tribunals and specifically what we're honing in on today is the question as to whether an employer is able to require an employee to take a mandatory COVID test as part of a policy. Okay, interesting one. Uh, if employment is your bag, if employment is an issue that's particularly relevant to you at the, at the moment, uh, there are other episodes which you can check out. I think episode 19, no it wasn't, episode 18 was on redundancy in episode 23 on unfair dismissal so there are some things that you might want to look at and consider as well as this episode um it's a tough one isn't it the whole covid employment position because everybody at the moment is very much in a different place whether that be mentally or in terms of immunization so there are perhaps some people more cautious than others because they've had the jab. There might be some people more cautious than others, even though they've had the jabs because they might have only had the first one. Or if they've had the second one, they might still be just nervous because you hear noise of different strains that could be more aggressive. I mean, the list is endless. This this is a, a complicated situation. It's a very complicated situation. There are more views on this perhaps than many other things at the moment. You've got obviously people that are concerned, people that aren't concerned. There's people that were never concerned. Um, in in the mix of this, you've also got lots of businesses who are trying to trade properly again after best part of 18 months of not being able to in some instances. They are still having difficulties in terms of people ha being off sick. They're still having difficulties in terms of people having to socially isolate. Um, and there's a lot of businesses now that are looking towards making their premises themselves as COVID secure as they can be. But that is all in the backdrop of they really do need to get back to business properly as, as quickly as they possibly can because of the economic effect. Um, I don't think we all quite know what that will ultimately turn out to be just yet. Um, that is raising lots of questions as to what should and can be done. Obviously, social distancing is, is something that remains in place at the moment and most employers are trying to to keep some sort of security in place that way um but there is a big question mark at the moment as to how testing should be used both obviously on an ongoing basis on an ongoing basis outside but also whether it plays a part in the workplace uh, so i mean i think you've hit the nail on the head there insofar as economically there's quite a keen interest to get everything moving again but not everyone's at the same spot are they and um, I presume this will make things far more complicated for an employer um, so can an employer enforce an employee to have a test generally speaking the straightforward answer is no they can't force an employee to submit a COVID test ACAS, who is the body who initially deals with disputes uh, of an employment nature before they go to the tribunal, they set out guidelines and their guidelines suggest that where a worker does not agree to be tested, 
the employer needs to listen to the concerns as much as possible, be flexible as much as possible, uh, and try and find a workaround so that there's an, an amicable solution. Most people's employment contracts won't include COVID in there because these contracts will far predate that. Um, you know how some some contracts do allow for testing for substances and stuff is that is that usually such a specific clause that it, even that wouldn't apply in this instance as in you may be asked from time to time to be subject to a test in order to determine whether you're fit to carry out your duties or words to that effect it's it's very rare for that to be included there are various clauses that may assist and their clauses that allow for medical testing on a regular basis or medical report and on a on a regular basis but in a standard employment contract they're unlikely to be there this really it comes down to what is reasonable in all of the circumstances and and as i say what the guidance is is that if someone has a particular concern especially at this stage because we're hoping that the you know the prevalence of of cases is going to go down and down and down hopefully until it it becomes you know, a part of flu in the winter. Um, but at this moment in time, the guidance is that you should try and find a different solution if you can. And what are these alternative solutions? Well, the sorts of things that people are, are talking about is, you know, is it possible for the employee to be redeployed somewhere else in the business where perhaps they're not in as, as close a quarters with other members of staff? Is there a role that they could do where the testing wouldn't really be as important? Is it possible they could work from home for a, a further period of time or for a, a specific period of time? Um, just see if the overall situation changes. And obviously that is not ideal in some situations. In other situations, it, it wouldn't make any difference at all. Um, in others, it would be impossible. You know, if you work for a supermarket, you can't exactly work at home, can you? Um, in in terms of the only other option that's being muted around is is whether if the employee feels so strongly about it um, that they want to take an unpaid absence, so they want to take a period of time away from the business unpaid while things settle down a little bit further. That isn't really ideal for anyone because the employee stops getting paid and the employer loses the worker for that period of time. Um, but they are all options. There's probably many more depending upon um, the situation and the business and the the way in which they work, but they're the main ones. Mm, it's an interesting quandary, particularly where, I guess, employer employees might be of the mind, and there are people who firmly and strongly believe that they do not want to have the vaccine and perhaps won't be particularly keen on being tested as well whereas the the alternative options you've suggested there are all very time specific and they're all sort of temporary measure type solutions and if you're not having the vaccine i suppose the argument is that that's that's not going to suit purely by virtue of the time scales really if you're never having the vaccine and you've only got a temporary solution as an option so what happens if in those sorts of instances you haven't got a viable option? If there's no viable option and the employer decides that for the safety of the overall workforce, it's a policy that is required and they bring it in and ultimately you refuse to comply with it, then the employer would have to rely upon um, the employee's failure to comply with what they would say was a, a lawful and reasonable instruction 
and they'd have to instigate the disciplinary process, which eventually it can lead to dismissal. Wow. And what's the, what's the likelihood of those sorts of cases being successful? I mean, could that give rise to claims from employees for it being unfair? The first thing to note is that it's uncharted. So as we said at the start, there's lots of things yet that haven't been tested in the courts and tribunals. It generally takes 12 months maybe to get a, a tribunal case through to a final hearing for the tribunal to actually make a decision on it. We're just not there yet. So there will be many of these cases uh, and they do pose a litigation risk. Uh, there's considerable uncertainty what the tribunal would make out of it. Um, but it is, you know, it's, it's something that employers will feel the need to bring in and there will be employees who simply don't want to go along with it. Uh, wow. <laughs> it's always quite difficult, isn't it, when you're being asked to give advice on something that is just so untested and, and I mean, prior till 12 months ago was hadn't even been heard of? It is. Uh, all we can do at the moment is we can talk about, in theory, the types of claims that may be possible, the types of things that would need to be proven if those claims we're going to be taken and then you can apply the same criteria to the specific situation that the employer or the employees in um, and you can only give best possible advice this this is it, it's like many other things that we've discussed over the past maybe 12 18 months no one really knows it is a an educated guess at this stage as to what the courts will make by applying existing criteria uh, and i think you know there's sufficient information in most cases to justify what level of risk the business is at in that instance in theory what would an employee have to show in order to bring a claim okay so if we start with unfair dismissal which is a, a you know a likelihood would be the claim off something like this first of all the employee has to have a two-year level of service of continuous service that is with them in in the first place anyway in order to be eligible to bring a claim then the employee would need to show that the decision to dismiss them uh, for the purpose of refusing to take a, a COVID-19 test was unreasonable in all of the circumstances. Um, I think that the likely outcome is going to depend upon a, a few factors that are central to the business that we're talking about at the time and the employer that we're talking about at the time. And that would be how essential was the mandatory testing policy to managing the risks of that particular business? And was there any other way that the risk of transmission of, of COVID-19 could have been effectively managed? And did they try other things that were available? So would it have been possible to, to have allowed them to work from home for a period? Would it have been possible to redeploy them somewhere else? Were those things offered? Were they discussed? Or were they just, for the purpose of the business, not not something that could be done? As I say, you know, we used the example before of if you work in a supermarket, um, you can't work from home, can you, if you work in a supermarket? So there's certain things that just aren't going to be viable, but you are looking at the overall circumstances of that particular case. And I think that's why in this instance, general advice is fine because you know it just livens people up to the the like the, the types of issues that they'll face but it's really important that before any of these policies are brought in or certainly if you have any employees that are, are pushing back on the point or if you're an employee and you're thinking of pushing back on the point 
you need to get advice. We Check out award-winning Johnson & Boone Solicitor's unique product, Legal Guard. Ideal for businesses and individuals, Legal Guard ensures you get the legal help you need when you need it. Packages start from just £24 a month and include free expert advice, access to a library of legal documents, as well as exclusive discounts on a range of services. For more information, visit johnsonandboon.co.uk forward slash legal guard and quote the code for Chesh. We definitely don't wade into politics, certainly on this show, but there is... And certainly I've seen on TV marches, protest marches about feeling under pressure or perhaps more relevant for this conversation, discriminated against for choosing not to have the vaccine. So might the discrimination element be an alternative to unfair? Are there any other sort of elements of a claim that could be brought yeah, again, in, in theory, exactly as you've said, it would be possible for unlawful discrimination to be another option or potential claim, depending on the circumstances. Um, the introduction of a mandatory testing regime may amount to unlawful discrimination, particularly if, uh, particularly in relation to the Equality Act 2010. And we don't we don't harbour on, on, on statutes or cases here, but it's worth just indicating what we're talking about um that would be the dismissing or disciplining of a, an employee for re refusing to take a COVID 19 test but if their reason for refusal was linked to a disability then it's almost certain that that would result in in a successful discrimination claim we say almost certain and again that's because we go full circle back to it just isn't tested as you said before, we, we don't delve into politics and it isn't our role to delve into politics. People have really strong views either way and nobody likes anything, especially when it's health-related or testing-related or anything like that, where you're being told to do something or required to do something. And these are all really difficult issues that at some point the courts and the tribunals are going to have to make their way through and, and decide. And once a number of cases has been through and reported... No doubt there'll be odd cases that are appealed and we'll get some higher court decisions and everybody will know where they stand. But until that time, employers are left in a situation where they'll feel they have to do something to ensure the, the COVID security of their staff and their premises. And em employees are going to have their own personal views, um, neither of which really can be blamed. For me, I can't quite get my head around how potentially massive some of these case outcomes could be in the general legal area of employment law um, by virtue of the fact, as you, as you say, because they're so untested, the, the things that the courts have to consider, like you say, the Equality Act, but then balance it against public interest and what what is the situation when there's a pandemic or a virus that could affect other people and weigh that up against the individual, right? I mean, these are massive, massive considerations. I mean, philosophers could spend hours trying to chew the fat on is the greater good that of the many as opposed to the few, etc., etc. Essentially, that's quite often what some of these factors might be deciding upon. 
Yeah, in terms of the court's approach, the courts have to stick with the principles of existing legislation and they need to apply them. So, as, as I said, we're talking about was it a lawful request that's been refused from the employer and it was reasonable in all the circumstances for it to have been put in place. Um, you have to accept that it's in the backdrop of the government have been pushing for testing of anybody at all who believes they've got symptoms. The schools have implemented something similar in terms of mandatory testing. It may be that it is a matter of time if if it can't be brought under control. The mandatory testing is is just part of everyday life, whether whether we like it or not. Equally, you know, everybody's rights in terms of being able to decide what they do and don't do are important. And you're right, the courts have some really difficult decisions to make when they are applying law uh but also in a in a very sort of social and economically difficult climate on the basis of that one assumes this is a topic that you're probably better getting advice on at the moment it certainly is if you're thinking of bringing a policy in then it's important that you've thought about the policy carefully taking legal advice properly as to how it may be implemented for your business and when it might be implemented uh, it's a good idea to consult with the staff and and to before it's in place try to settle any you know grievances that there might be work out if there are any potential staff that are really going to be against it and if if they are how you can work with them to resolve it because we've said in in relation to other things before and we'll repeat here that a dispute, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be between businesses, family, whatever it may be, a dispute should be avoided at all costs, if possible. And and often there, there is an amicable solution. It, it's just a case of, have you considered all of the options? And if there are no options and it is something that you have to bring in, then it's, it's the case of bite the bullet. You need to make sure the policies are drafted properly uh, and you need to make sure that it, from an employer's perspective, it is as gentle as it can be because this is something that is additional that employees are not used to having to do and you will get a real variance of opinion. Are there other things that employers need to be considering with this in mind? I mean, obviously they're getting advice of whether they can and can't ask, but are there other facets that they need to look at which they need to protect themselves against? I mean, one example might be do they need to look to amend their employment terms to perhaps factor these sorts of tests in so any new recruits are agreeing to that being the usual or that being the norm when they sign up or are even existing employers signing uh, employees signing new terms are there other things of a similar nature sort of that might have legal consequences if you get it wrong or you don't do something that that could come back and bite them it's an interesting question and it's it's whether the whole landscape of employment and the employer employee relationship and the, the th how it works it's whether that is going to slowly change you know there are you'll have seen many many companies now are completely remote so they are just working from home and it's working because of the nature of the work that they do. And I don't think they have intentions of, of going back. Um, those types of things and these types of things would need to be reflected in new uh, em employment contracts for new staff. Varying existing contracts is obviously a much more difficult thing because it can only be done by agreement. 
what most people are doing at the moment, I think, is bringing in policies. Um, and very briefly, the difference between an, the terms in your employment contract and policies is the policies can be updated and amended fairly easily. Your employment contract can't. So it may be that for new staff, there needs to be new clauses. Um, it may be for existing staff that it's it's a policy change. But either way, you're going to get the same resistance because your view is either going to be that it's something you're satisfied with or it's something you're not. Um, and I think this is the first of many pretty landmark changes that we're going to see over the next maybe 12, 18 months. GDPR, is that going to be an issue? Because presumably you've got a whole host of people's test results <laughs> floating around. I mean, what what do you do with those? GDPR is a massive issue and it's, it's always a massive issue and every time you require something different or something additional from someone, whether that be an employee or a customer, you always need to think, what are you doing with it? And, and you know, are you are you processing it? Are you holding it? Why are you holding it? Um, the, the employer in this instance needs to be mindful that the processing of the individual's health data, including the results of a, a COVID-19 test, amount to special category data under the the gdpr regulations um this confers a responsibility on the employers to ensure that they are lawfully processing the data and again the best thing we can say for the purpose of now is you need to get specialist advice um at the before you're doing it um sanctions for breach of gdpr are fairly significant and it's not something that you want to take a generalised approach to. Suffice to say, it sounds to me like if you employ a number of staff, it's well worth getting some proactive advice on this moving target, so to speak. It, it feels like it's one of those topics that is likely to explode at some point in the not-too-distant future with an outcome of some description and if you perhaps haven't got your ducks in a row, it could end up causing you more problems than you'd ever anticipated. It's possible. It's very sector. Uh, uh, it's very sector selective at the moment in in terms of the businesses that are affected. You know, you'll have, as I say, some businesses have been carrying on as they were, pretty much with different measures in place for social distancing since the very start. We'll use the example again: supermarkets. They have battled on throughout you know in in one way or another they've been there uh, many businesses were simply ordered to close and these are new problems in the last week or so we've we've had restaurants opening back up in the next month or so fingers crossed the rest of hospitality opens up um, businesses are trying to get on businesses are trying to retain staff they're trying to survive still I think, and I think the next 12 months will remain to be survival mode for many businesses. Others have flourished and others have realised that we don't need our premises. That's an overhead that can go. We don't need to make our staff commute into work. That's a, a headache for them that can go. Um, and there's a real mix of what matters, but that's why it's so, so, so important that on a business to business individual level, it's considered carefully because um, what what is central and what would work as a defense or as a claim even depending on which way around you're looking at it, it for one business 
may just be complete nonsense for another business. So I think it's something that people, business owners, employees, they'll be mindful of at the moment. I don't expect it to be a massive issue for maybe another couple of months. And then as things settle down, as social distancing maybe becomes less prevalent and, and hopefully soon it might be that for example the masks are discarded that sort of thing oh yes please and it's at that stage as we get rid of these other measures that it might be businesses have to look at what else should we be doing or what what is a bit more long term and when we say this testing it's even up for grabs what this testing would look like and when it would be and in what situations it would be um and it might be as, as delicate as it, it simply reflects what is already government guidance at the moment, right the way through to it could be something similar to what the schools and the high schools are, are rolling out at the moment. Um, only time will tell. If people do want to get in touch, Rob, how can they do it? Lots and lots of ways to speak to us. Um, the old-fashioned phone, 0151-637-2034. You can drop us an email to info at johnsonandburn.co.uk. And now, hang on a minute. Does an email class as old-fashioned these days? Because email's been out for a while now. It has. Well, I'll, I'll make my way through them in, in technological <laughs> it, order. It started with the most old-fashioned and working your way back. Yeah, you can give us a bell on the phone. Um, you can drop us an email via the old interweb. You can then go onto our website if you want, and we've got a, a message tab there, depending on what subject area it is. There's one for on each of the pages, some more specific than others. Um, you can go onto any of our social media, and you can message us via there, and, and one of our team will respond. You could download our app, and you could have it straight on your mobile, um, and, and message us from there, or drop a, an appointment into the diary. I feel like I should give you a round of applause there because not only were you having to remember and reel off the forms of contact, you were also ordering them into what you thought was the most modern at the same time, which is no mean feat. It, it, it wasn't, and it was it was debatable which way round a couple of those <laughs> were, but I, I think it was just about in order. Well, if you feel that Rob has got one in the wrong order, get in touch with us using any of those old or new fashioned methods um give us a review if you have enjoyed the show if you found it useful uh, it's always good to get some feedback and it also gives a bit more exposure to the show uh, we find ourselves move up the charts a little bit which get hopefully will mean we, we can help a few more people along the way uh, rob thank you very much for your help today um thank you very much for listening guys hope you've enjoyed that and you found it useful and we'll catch you next time. Thanks very much. Bye now. Get social at Johnson and Boone on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.